Warnings have many forms. Lights, sounds, sight, smell, feelings, and even written words. Warning signs may come in different forms, but it has one purpose. And that is to awaken one's alertness to prepare for an imminent danger. And so the second letter of Peter is a letter of warning. In his first letter, Peter urges the believers to persevere in their faith amidst their suffering because they have a living hope. But here in Second Peter, he warns the believers against the deception of false teachers and he encourages them to persevere in God's word because we have the truth. Now, it's quite interesting that Peter mentioned that in First Peter, suffering in difficulties, these are the enemies from the outside. While the enemy in Second Peter is heresy and deception from within. Now, one of the themes of Second Peter is knowledge. Knowledge. And when we, Peter talks about knowledge, it is not just knowledge that is head knowledge, but a knowledge that is experiential, a knowledge that is real in your life. And that is the motif of Peter, and that is reflected here in the outline of Second Peter. It's knowing your salvation, know your scripture, know the shrewd and false teachers, know the second coming, and know your sanctification. This is the outline of Second Peter. And so Peter urges the believers to know and to, to be grounded on these things. And that is essential. And the ground for this is basically the start of which is salvation. And Peter now moves towards knowing the scripture. Again, this letter is a letter of warning. That is why Peter is saying, these are foundational. Know your salvation, know your scripture, so that therefore you can prepare for the coming enemy to face them, and that is the shrewd false teachers. And that is the focus of our topic this morning, which is the second part. In verse 1 of Second Peter, it says, verse 12, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by the way of reminder. Peter begins this section with his commitment to remind his believers. Three times he said, I will do my best to remind you. I will do my best to work hard to remind you. And Peter mentioned that he is not reminding believers who are just new in the faith. Rather, Peter is saying, I am reminding you, you who are already established in the faith, you who are already Bible-rooted, you who are already knowing the scriptures. Because Peter understands that we need to be reminded. Despite the reality that many of us perhaps have known the truth, it's already present in us, but we need to be kept reminded. And that is the point of Peter in this section. He wants the believers to go back to basic to know what needs to be retained. John Wooden is an American college basketball coach. He won 10 championships for the NCAA during his 12-year period as a head coach in UCLA Bruins. He coached famous players, who eventually became famous players, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton. 
And Coach Wooden was known for emphasizing the importance of going back to basic and the fundamentals. One player said, you know, Coach Wooden, every time basketball season starts, he would gather us in our locker room. He would ask us to remove our socks and shoes. He would sit around us, and he would also do the same. And he would start by saying, boys, today I will teach you how to wear your socks and shoes. And these are drafted players from high school. These are excellent players already. We know that, but Coach Wooden know the basic the importance of going back to fundamentals. And he said, if you don't know how to wear, if you don't wear your socks properly, you will get blisters. If you will get blisters, you will not be able to run. If you don't run, you will not score. If you will not score, we will not win championships. And so that, again and again, he reminds his player about the basic. And there is this even one story, he said, he told them, boys, this is a basketball. It's obvious. The ball is a basketball. But again, Coach Wooden would always pound on their heads. This is the basic. Go back to the fundamentals. And that is what Peter is trying to do here. He tells the readers, you know this already, but again, I will remind you of these things. Now, why is this important? Verse 14 tells us, Knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me, and I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. Peter is already an old and respected leader in the early church, and he knows his death is imminent. And so there is a sense of urgency. But there is something more here. Peter also knows the danger of the false teachers. They are coming, they are wolves in sheep's clothing, and they are coming to infiltrate and destroy the flock from within. And so to prepare the believers for that onslaught, those who will be left behind, he wrote this second letter as his final message and as his reminder to God's people. Kumbaga, ito na yung huling bilin ni Peter, and he pours out his heart to his beloved flock. He says, be ready. Be prepared, guard yourselves. And so if we summarize the message of Second Peter, here is what Peter is saying. Defend yourselves from the deceptive and destructive false teachers by growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Fight against the lies and errors by knowing and remembering the truth of God's word. Know and remember. Peter urges the believers to know and remember. And that is what we will learn today. And as we go through our text, we will answer this question. Why know and remember? What to know and remember? And how to know and remember? Now the first, why know and remember? See, the first thing is we need to know and remember because of our forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. I'm sorry to say this, but we forget quickly. I forget quickly. Uh, the other day, I was just reading through a uh, devotion, and I started to think, ano nga ba yung binasa ko two days ago? Then nakalimutan ko na. Why? Because it's so, many of us are busy, many of us are distracted, and many of us, talaga, we've gone through the week with information overload, so we forget quickly. Michael Griffith, in his book, God's Forgetful Pilgrims, made this interesting observation. You see, Christians have this strange amnesia. 
A certain proportion of people go to church and have forgotten what it's all for. Week by week, they attend service in special buildings, going through the time-honored routine, but give little thought to the purpose of what, of what they're doing. The Bible talks about the bride of Christ who is pure and chaste, but the church seems more like a ragged Cinderella, hideous among the ashes who has forgotten what she supposed to be a beautiful lady. Now let me ask you, why are you here? Why are we here? What motivates us to be here? We need to remember the whys. Because we easily forget. We forget what we're all about. We forget why we do what we do. And we forget what we're supposed to do. But Peter calls us to go back to know and remember. Now, not only that, the second reason we must know and remember is because of familiarity. As a pastor teacher, our responsibility is to remind all of you of God's truth and to do that repeatedly so that you can obey. But here's the problem. If we do it again and again in the same way, you will get bored. Tama? Right? If we do it the same way, you will say, oh, I know that already, and then you will tune out. And that is the challenge of being a pastor and being a teacher. And you'll say, I know that already. We want something else, especially we are fighting, not really even the other better preachers, but we're really fighting against the entertainment industry, the movies and all those. Uh, we're fighting against Netflix, basically, because all those, of, all those entertainment, entertainment that captures your atten- attention. But Peter said, you have to know and remember. And there's a third reason for us to know and remember. We need to know and remember because in the context of 2 Peter, it's because of the false teachers. He said, but there were also false prophets in Israel just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. That's another reason and more important reason because there will be false teachers. But then Peter is not isolated in his in his uh, concern about false teachers. Even the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John and Christ our Lord himself said this. The Apostle Paul said before he, as he said goodbye to the elders in Ephesus, he said, you will no longer see me, so, but then you have to guard yourselves and God's people, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. And even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. And that is something that is more scary because the enemy does not come from outside. It will come from within. Now the apostle John also said, many deceivers who does not acknowledge Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh, have gone out into the world, and any such person is a deceiver and antichrist. And he said, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. This is a serious reality that Christ our Lord gave this warning. Beware of false teachers, of false prophets who will come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You see, that's the danger, and that is the enemy coming, not from the outside, but from the inside. The question is, are you prepared? How prepared are we? 
Among Us is a multiplayer, uh, multiplayer game that became popular during the 2020 pandemic. It's, it's, uh, it can be played by 14 to 15 players, and each player has, will be randomly assigned either a crewmate or a, an imposter. And to win, the team has to do certain tasks on a space station and to accomplish certain goals. But then they have to identify and eject the imposter. But for the imposters, maximum of three. Uh, and their goal is to kill everyone. But here's the catch. The imposters look like the crewmates. And so it's difficult for them to, to detect because uh, the crewmate will think, oh, they're harmless, they, are, uh, they, they will help us, but in reality, the imposters are out there to sabotage and destroy you. And that's the danger of false teachers. Now, uh, just a disclaimer. Uh, please, uh, after the message, we don't want you to check this up and uh, get hooked on it. But then the point is we need to be warned against false teachers. Now, if there are imposters among us, ma-identify kaya natin? Look at the person beside you. Is he genuine or is he an imposter? Will we easily catch that person? You see, any of our leaders, especially those of us who teach and lead and minister, can be false teachers. And the same way goes with you. Whether you preach in public in, or lead groups or disciple people, whether in public or private, you disciple them one-on-one -on -one or you counsel them one-on-one, -on -one, we can also be false teachers if we teach something that is not aligned with the truth. So we have to be careful. Now, I'm not saying we don't trust people. We trust people, but we verify the believers in Bereans are commendable because they listen to the Apostle Paul. Paul is already an apostle, but they don't believe him right away. They search the scripture. Tama ba sinasabi ni Apostle Paul? Is this aligned with the truth? And we have to be the same. We need to know and remember. Now, what is it that we need to know and remember? Peter tells us, know and remember scripture. Know and remember scripture. Why? Because the best way to guard against falsehood and false teachers is to know the truth. To stop the counterfeit or to spot the counterfeit, we need to study the real thing. CBCP is a Bible-rooted church. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God, the 66 books of the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is our final authority for life and faith. And that is why we are going through this sermon series. We are going through book after book to study it verse by verse or line after line. And that is why we also had our recent equipping how to study the Bible uh, led by Pastor Jared. And Lord willing, we would uh, do next time if, if the Lord will allow us to have some apologetics on how to defend the faith about uh, the scripture. We are a Bible-rooted church, and that is why also in our journey groups, we spend time every year. We start with the gospel for six weeks. We start with the gospel again and again, and then three weeks, we go through knowing God, and another six weeks, going through biblical worldview. These are not easy topics to deal with, but these are things that are important because we need to be anchored on the truth. Now, let me highlight this further. We need to know the scripture because scripture is trustworthy. Verse 16 to 18 tells us, Peter is saying, for we did not follow cleverly devised tales. The word tales here is the Greek word mystos, with, where we get the word uh, myth in English. 
And so Peter is saying, we did not follow cleverly devised tales. We did not invent these things that we have made known to you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But Peter is saying, we did not invent it, but we were actually eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he, when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves have heard the utterance made from heaven. Now what was Peter talking about here? What is that event in the past that he is pointing to? Peter talks about basically it's the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this was recorded in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Three gospels recorded this. Matthew 17, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a high mountain. And before their very eyes, Jesus was transfigured. For a moment in time, the glory of God, his glory as God is shown. His body transformed into a, uh, a blinding light. And there, Peter also saw Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And then he heard also a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And how could Peter forget this event? He said, I saw it. I was terrified. I, I, I almost died witnessing this. And Peter could have not invented this. And that is what Peter is saying. Guys, this is real. I can testify what we're telling you is true, that Jesus Christ, he came on earth, and I saw a glimpse of his glory, and just as he promised, he will come back again. He will do so because he is more than a man. He is more than human. He is no ordinary person. Jesus Christ is the Messiah who will come again. And this is what Peter is saying, telling the church, believe the scripture because it is trustworthy. Why? because it's written by reliable witnesses. Peter wrote this and said, this is truth. This is a historical event. You have to believe this fact. Now in the case of the New Testament, it's also the same. It was written by actual eyewitnesses like the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John. And others wrote using primary eyewitnesses like Luke and Mark in the Gospels. Scripture is trustworthy because it's written by eyewitnesses. But at the same time, the scripture is confirmed by fulfilled prophecies. Verse 19 tells us, so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you will do well to pay attention to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. Now let me explain to you the word uh, prophetic word. When we say prophecy, it, not, it is not just about uh, any event in the future. As far as the word of prophecy is concerned, the prophecy is concerned that is pointing to a person the future event that will eventually culminate in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what is meant by the prophetic word. All scriptures, all those future uh, things that the Bible is telling is preparing and eventually pointing us towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Here Peter is saying, my eyewitness account confirms what the prophets have been saying throughout the Old Testament. You know, there are 351 prophecies in the Old Testament, and, there are, and these are fulfilled in the first coming of Christ. And just as these prophecies were fulfilled during the first coming, the prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled, it will come to pass as well, because the scripture is trustworthy. And one day, Christ will come again and will fulfill all those prophecies. And so when that day comes, it says here in verse 19, on that day, the day of the Lord's return, 
Christ the morning star will fully reveal his glory. And on that day, God will judge the enemies and reward those who remain faithful to him. And so what's in it for us? What's the application for us today? Dear brothers and sisters, may this be our conviction. Scripture is trustworthy because it was written by reliable eyewitnesses and confirmed by fulfilled prophecies. And now, given that scripture is trustworthy, what then should we do? God calls us to pay attention. God calls us to pay attention. You see, some Christians, they say, we are already New Testament Christians. We no longer need the Old Testament. It's already obsolete. We are no, it's no longer relevant for us. But for some believers, they say, okay, yeah, Old Testament is nice. It's still relevant. But in reality, they don't really go to the Old Testament. They just focus on the New Testament. And sadly, they miss on the richness of, of knowing God more and more, knowing Christ more through the Old Testament. You see, if, uh, I've heard some uh, people, uh, one of my disciples told me that he likes more the Old Testament because it gives him a richer picture and more appreciation about what Christ did and how he fulfilled those certain prophecies and even expectations in the Old Testament. For example, have you ever read Kings? In the book of Kings, there were good kings and there were bad kings. And then when you're going through the story, oh, this is a good king, and then suddenly the king died. And there's that frustration. Oh, no, the king died. Then the story will go down from there. But then, did you know, that frustration eventually, the story builds up and it will point you to the coming king of kings and lord of lords, who is righteous, who is just, who will exercise justice and righteousness, but then that person will no longer die. He will live forever, and that is Christ. And that is just one function of the Old Testament to point us to that reality, to that hope and expectation of what we will have in Christ. Scripture, again, is trustworthy because it is authored by God himself. It is authored by God himself. We need to pay attention because scripture is something that will guide us. It is a lamp shining in the dark and that is something that will guide us as we go through this dark place, as we pilgrim, as we journey in this world. But again, the most important thing is it is trustworthy because God himself authored it. And since it's from the Lord, then it's the final authority. Verse 20 tells us, but know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. This means that the scripture did not come from the prophet's own imagination. It's not the prophet's invention or interpretation. Rather, God uses these prophets to deliver his own divine message. And how did it happen? Verse 21 tells us, these people were moved, these writers were moved by the Spirit and they spoke from God. The Greek word for move there means to be carried along. It's like a ship being carried along by the wind or the current. And that's the picture here. It's like guiding a toddler to walk, guiding your small baby to walk. The baby uses his or her own steps, but it's you who's directing the path towards where he or she is going. And that is the picture here. Now, when God moved these prophets, he did not dictate on them and he just 
uh, they just uh, being controlled like robots. No, they actively participated. The Holy Spirit used this, the writer's personality, skills, background, and writing styles, different people, different styles. The Holy Spirit used it, but then these writers actively participated in the process as God used them to record his message. Now, in other words, we can say that scripture is 100% words of men and 100% word of God. And that is a mystery in reality. It's quite difficult to explain. But it's like our Lord Jesus Christ, similar to our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the living word, who is 100% human and 100% God. And this reality is used together in the person of Christ. And that is the scripture, 100% word of God and 100% words of men. Now here's another proof that the scripture is God's word. Ash McDowell is a famous evangelist and apologist, and he said, the Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years. There are many human authors that includes 40 persons and different walks of life, kings, peasants, and poets, herdsmen, fishermen, scientists, farmers, priests, and pastors, tent makers, and governors. It's written in the wilderness, dungeon, inside the palace and prisons, on lonely islands and military battles. Yet, it speaks with agreement and reliability on hundreds of controversial subjects. Yet, it tells one story from beginning to end. And God's, that story is God's salvation of humankind through Christ our Lord. And no person could have possibly conceived of or written such a word. Now, if we do an experiment here, if we give out to you paper and say, okay, guys, let's try to write a story and we'll try to come up with a unified story, then what would happen? We will have different stories. It will not be as unified. And that will be, that, that's quite difficult already here in the same time, in the same place. In the, we'd have similarities. We will have different outcome. But then imagine a 1,500 year span in different places, different backgrounds, different areas coming from different culture. But then they are telling one story. And the consistency of the, the word of God it's a strong proof that the scripture has one primary author, and that is the Holy Spirit. And therefore, since scripture is the word of God, is authored by God, then scripture is trustworthy, and it is the final authority, and therefore, pay attention to it. We need to pay attention to it. Now, before we go to the last point, let me reflect on some of more things about this, the danger of false teachers. This false teacher is real. Whether you are a new follower of Christ or already uh, a mature believer, you and I will encounter these false teachers again and again, especially now that we have a technology. Yes, technology is a gift. We could access good preachers and teachers, but at the same time, we could access bad and just uh, deceptive false teachers. And the scary thing is we do not know, we won't know immediately who are the true and false teachers. Why? Because these false teachers are eloquent, entertaining, and even inspiring. It, it really draws something in us. We are, uh, me, when I was going through a t difficulty in my life and I was working before in a corporate, uh, there, I was listening to one speaker and it's quite inspiring. And after listening to 15 minutes, I was riding a Jeep, going to UP, and I going to the office. And then, I was so 
inspired. But then I realized, I heard some, oh, this teacher, he's, he's a false teacher. He, does, he, he only talks about good things, inspiration, but there's no discussion on salvation. There's no discussion on the reality of sin. There's no discussion on the need to grow in Christ. There's no discussion on following the Lord. And those are subtle things. And sometimes we have to be careful. You see, beneath the smiles and the pleasing personalities of these false teachers, they could be wolves in sheep's clothing. And that is why we need to know and remember. We need to discern well. Don't just follow your heart. Use your mind as well. Tayo mga Pinoy, mahilig tayong sa puso, di ba? Puso. But we need to use our minds as well. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind. God calls us to be discerning, to know and remember. Do you know who you believe? Do you know what you believe? And do you know why you believe? Because if not, you will easily crumble. You will easily crumble at the level of intellectual discussion. You will crumble. And add to that persecution. Baka wala, wala pang ang discussion, persecution pa lang, bibigay na tayo. So we have to be careful and we have to be on guard. Now, how do we know and remember? How do we know and remember? Let me share with you these things. First, develop and deepen your conviction about the Bible. What is the Bible to you? For some people, the Bible is just a book of heroes that you're supposed to emulate. Or be a man after God's own heart like David. Dare to be a Daniel. Persevere like Paul. Move like Moses. Believe like Barnabas. But the Bible is more than that. It is not just a book of heroes, but the real hero in the Bible is God himself. God is the bigger hero of the story, of the greater story. For some, the Bible is just a book of rules to obey. There are 600 plus rules in the Old Testament and 1,000 plus rules in the New Testament. And if we combine those similar rules in the New Testament, it will come about 800 plus rules and regulations. But the Bible is more than just a book of rules to follow. Now, some contemporary teachers view the Bible as primarily a book of practical advice. They look at what it says about leadership, parenting, health, happiness, money. Yes, the Bible has some good advice on these things, but the Bible is more than that. What is the Bible? You see, the Bible is not a book of philosophies, principles, or practical advice just to improve your life. The Bible is God's word that points you to a person, and it is the Lord's divine announcement about Jesus Christ. You need to have that conviction. The Bible is not really about us, about how can we have a better life here, your best life now here. No, it is to have the eternal life in Christ. You see, the Bible does not talk about all things, but it talks about the essential things. Everything that we need to do to know God, to know ourselves, and how can we live a life that, that pleases Him. This is the Bible. And I hope and pray that all of us will develop and deepen our conviction. And when we do that, we can submit readily to the Scripture as our final authority 
for life and godliness. Again, you need to answer these questions. Do you know who you believe, what you believe, and why you believe? The next is to dig deep into the scriptures. How? Read, study, obey. You see, it's important for us to read the Bible from cover to cover, but sadly, many people, they only read the covers of the Bible. They don't go through it. It says in America, there's an average of three Bibles per person. Here in the Philippines, we have the Bible app, but how many of us have read it? We have access in the Bible, but we are taken for granted. In China, you cannot own a Bible. And in some countries, in some persecuted areas, they have to cut the Bible. They have to, ang narinig ko ang some pages of the Bible, they cut it, tapos they keep it in their mouth or they swallow the pieces of the Bible. Or what they do, they memorize a portion. Oh, ikaw, James, you memorize first, uh, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Or Lance, you, you memorize the next and the next person so that we can preserve the word of God. In some persecuted and closed countries, they do this. But here in our country, we have that freedom. So let us not take that for granted. Let's read the Bible. But not only that, that let us also study the Bible. We are not too young or too old to do so. A few weeks ago, my wife and I met a certain pastor and he's doing a particular ministry teaching uh, people and leaders in different churches. And he told a story that there are this group of old ladies who invited him, oh, pastor, can you teach us the scripture? I heard you're doing this uh, Bible uh, interpretation, Bible thing. Okay, so what do you want to do? The, the pastor in mind, actually, they, he has only four weeks in mind. I want to teach Titus. But the women, they requested, we want to learn Romans. So the pastor was taken, what Romans God? But then they've gone through it. They've lasted for six months. And then the women said, wow, very good. And they said, Let's, we want to learn the basic. Let's go back to Titus also. And so these women, they are old already, but they have, they have the heart to study the Bible. But then you say, oh, pastor, these are retired. They have no worries. They have, I'm working. I'm busy. I cannot do that. But you know, we have a friend. He's a nurse. Uh, he's living in the U.S. No, no helper, taking care of family. A young wife and kids, but he's a nurse, but he studies the word. And if you talk to him, he sounds like a pastor. He teaches. And he, one time we had a, we had a conversation, you know, bro, I'm worried for about this mega church because they are partnering with this particular people. On the surface, it sounds nice, but in reality, don't you know that this is a false teacher? And then he told me this and that. And this is just an ordinary, in, in, in their circle of, he's not even a, a deacon or an elder in the church, but he does his homework, he studied the word, and he's doing his best to discern. And that is something that we need to do. We need to study, we need to read, we need to meditate. Now, let me have this now. question, true or false? Sorry, lumabas na pala. All suffering is caused by sin. Uh, on a technical discussion, we can say all suffering is caused by sin because of Genesis 3, because sin came into the world 
Genesis 3 happened, we suffered. But then suffering not necessarily is caused by sin because Job is a righteous man, but he suffered. And then a man born blind in John, it says it's neither him nor his parents sinned, but this came about so that God's work might be displayed, might be displayed in his life. Now, another question. If you are suffering, does that mean your Christian faith is not genuine? True or false? If you are suffering, does that mean your Christian faith is not genuine? False. It says, Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. And blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. That's Christ's call for us. And even in 1 Peter, you are suffering and that suffering tests your faith. That is much more worth or much more valuable than gold. Suffering is part of the Christian life. You see, many people, they say, we should not suffer because we are already New Testament Christians. And perhaps you're suffering because you have not, don't have enough faith. You have to be careful because that is not what the Bible teaches. If you remove suffering from the equation, you remove half of the New Testament. You remove a significant portion of the Old Testament as well. You have to be careful. Now, what is, the, now is this the Great Commission? Who says, this is the Great Commission? Yes or no? Yes? Yes? But there's some, there is wrong. It says, teaching them everything I have commanded you. Is it the right sentence? Teaching them to obey everything. The Great Commission is not just about teaching God's word. It's teaching people to obey God's word. You know, one word makes a difference. And that is the reality of even uh, some of the cults and false religion. One word makes a difference. And you have to be careful. Again, the point is we need to study and meditate. Again, uh, in, when I was, uh, when I was, uh, and I attended one of the class, this is one method that my professor told, uh, taught us. There's observation, there's interpretation, application, but part of that, there's also meditation, prayer, and result. So for me, this is my worksheet on my, my heart issue. I was struggling with anger, with uh, irritability, and this is one assignment that I did. And part of that, I realized that I really need to meditate so that I can apply more and more of Scripture. Again, the point is we need to be centered and anchored on the Word of God. Now, let me tell you about something. Uh, let me tell you about biblical meditation. It is not emptying your mind, but basically meditation is filling your mind with the Word of God. That is the opposite of what the world tells us. Meditate, empty your mind. Breathe in and relax. No, that's not a biblical meditation. Meditation is filling your mind with the truth of God's word. Now, I'm not saying that you need to rest your mind. I'm saying is be careful because if you empty your mind, something else will go in there. We need to have the mind of Christ, the truth. If you want to live like Christ, if you want to be like Christ, we need to have the mind of Christ. And how can we do that? We need to have the word of God on our mind. Meditation will help us to know and remember who God is, who we are, and what he has created us and called us to be. David Saxton, in his book, he said, many hear sermons, read Christian books, maintain a semblance of Bible reading, and listen to Christian music. 
yet they remain weak in holiness, love, and service. Why? The answer is lack of serious thinking on the word combined with a life dominated by entertainment. Last year, I had one of the lowest point in my life. I was discouraged. I was physically tired, emotionally drained, spiritually stretched. And I said, Lord, I really want to give up. But then I, I read this book. It's entitled Running Scared by Edward Welch. And it's, uh, the subtitle is about uh, fear, anxiety, worry, and the God of rest. And there's this section in this book that says, the author said, um, it's in Luke, God said, Beloved, uh, fear not, beloved. Your father, uh, your father delights in giving you the kingdom. Basically, that's, that's the verse in, in Luke chapter 12. And the context is, is similar to Matthew 6. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. God will provide you everything. And I, so I started to meditate on those words day after day, week after week. Pagising ko sa umaga, nag-exercise ako, I feel down, but I still remember, oh, God calls me beloved. Beloved flock, my father is in heaven. I'm not alone. I have a father. And he delights to give me the kingdom. I may not have, I, I feel I may not have enough right now, but God will give me the kingdom. And so I can have that promise that I may sacrifice now, but I will be rewarded next time. So I kept that on my mind again and again. And by God's grace, I am here. I have returned. And by God's grace, God is sustaining me, helping me to continue. I don't know where you are right now in your, your journey. Are you afraid? Then remind yourself of the Psalms word, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I encourage you, you need to meditate. As pastors, we can serve you the food. As, as you listen, you eat the food. But when you meditate, you digest it. You receive and absorb the nutrients. So do this because this will be for your good. Meditation will help us know and remember who God is, who we are, and what he has created us to be and called us to do. Dig deep into the word of God. But then as you do this, I'm not saying it will be easy or effortless. It will take time and effort. And that is why the book of Proverbs encourages us to look and search for God's wisdom like a hidden treasure. Hindi ka naman nakakapulot ng hidden treasure sa... Sakalsada every day, di ba? You have to go to the mountains, dig deep, get yourself dirty, mine the field, and work on the ore to get those diamonds, to get those rocks, the gold, the precious metals. You need to search God's word and be diligent. But then, the point is you have to do your work. But here's another thing. When you just do that, you will be burdened and you will say, I, will give, I give up. I don't want to do this. But what will help us? We need to delight in God's word. As we read, as we study, as we deepen our conviction, as we dig deep, we need to delight in God's word. The Jewish people, they have a quite uh, interesting uh, uh, tradition. No? The rabbis, they teach the little kids about the Torah. And then they, they write the Torah in, in, uh, using honey. And after that, the kid will lick the, the honey. 
because it says in the Bible, your Torah, uh, the Torah, your word is sweet as honey. We need to delight in God's word. Friends, here's a question for all of us. Do you value God's worth? Do you find it worth your time? Do you delight in it? I know many of us, we like sports, we like hobbies, we like biking, basketball, badminton, golf, camping, partying, eating, connecting. These are good things. But then do we have that same delight in God's word? May all of us be like this psalmist that says, your laws are my treasure, they are my heart's delight. You know, part of my reflection also as I struggle, of course, sometimes, Lord, I pray for provision, I pray for this, I pray that you would give us enough so that we can, for our family. But then God would remind me of his word. Your word is more than gold, much better than silver, much better than treasure. And that rests my heart. Yes, God has given us already. And he who gave us his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, while we are still sinners, how much more he is willing to give us all things, including him. If God has given us the best, then the lesser things are just easy for God to give us. We just have to trust and obey. Again, we need to have that mind of Christ as you go in your life, as you travel in this dark world. May the light of God's word shine our path. Psalm 19 verse 7 to 11 tells us, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, much fine gold, much more than fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, than the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. What is your heart's delight? What is that God is inviting you to consider? I hope and pray that you would know and remember to develop and deepen your conviction about the word of God, to deepen or dig deep into the scripture and to delight in God's word. Now the question is for all of us, what are we doing to know and remember. The Christian life is a journey, as Peter tells us, but the Christian life is also a spiritual battle. We fight Satan who is a roaring lion outside. We also fight suffering and difficulties and persecution outside. But then we also fight the battle on the second front and that is the inside. The false teachers that comes from within, the wolves in sheep's clothing, but God did not leave us on our own. He has given us his great and precious promise of his word. Now the question for us is how are we in equipping ourselves? How are we fighting these battles? Are we using God's word to put on his armor? Are we using the sword of the spirit to fight these lies? What are we doing with God's word so that we can stand firm and strong against the enemy? May the Lord help us. Let us know and remember, defend ourselves from the deceptive and destructive false teachers by growing in the grace 
the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And fight against the lies and errors by knowing and remembering the truth of God's word. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your word to us. Yes, O Lord, that you help us to take things seriously, to pay attention to your word. And as we journey in this life, may you just grant us the grace to have the mind of Christ. Sustain us, O Lord, with your strength. Feed us with your word. Protect us, O God, as we cling onto your promises. Be with us, O Lord, as we fight this battle. Give us strength. Give us hope. Grant us your peace and presence. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, let me pray. Amen.